Kia ora, I'm Tim McCready and this is Too Much Talk, a podcast from Onihanga FM. In this episode, we bring you a recording of the Meet the Candidates event that just took place on the evening of Saturday, the 30th of September. The evening was hosted by St. Peter's Anglican Church, where the Reverend Petra Zaleski is the vicar. My producer Josh Couch went along with some recording gear and has lightly edited the audio for time and clarity. Let's pick it up as the MC for the evening, Xavier Walsh, made their introduction. I'm Xavier Walsh. I, um, a little bit about me, I am co-president of Unite Union, the Union of Hospitality and Entertainment Workers. I am a leader in the Living Wage Movement at Ta'ohu Whakatanonga, United Communities, um, faith groups, community groups and unions together to make change in our community. And I'm a resident here, uh, well, in Royal Oak, so just up the road. Um, but I'm not here, I'm not wearing any of those hats today, I'm here just as, as a resident, as a person in Mungu here, um, talking about issues that matter to uh, myself um, and our community at large. Kia ora. Um, <clears throat> And so uh, we'll start this way around. Um, we've got uh, Greg Fleming from the National Party, um, Priyanka Radhakrishnan, the incumbent from the Labour Party, um, got this um, uh, Sapna Samant from uh, the Green Party, and we have, on, last but not least, Margot Onishenko from the ACT Party. So um, once again, reiterating the rules, there is to be no, if, um, no cross-talk or um, interruptions, if possible, please. There will be time at the end for questions. So essentially, the way that we've um, done it now is that each candidate will have three minutes to, uh, as an open round, to sort of introduce themselves and, and to say a bit about who they are, what their policies are, what their, their um, connection to Mokikeke is. And then we're going to um, then move into our four um, pre-written questions on housing, welfare, um, mental health and addiction, um, and transport. Um, and so around 8.30 we'll be having open questions, um, but quickly before that uh, we'll have a quick word from Eric. Um, yeah, and we're hoping to um, be out the door by that night. So, yes. Awesome. So, um, starting this off, I think, probably go this way around. Um, great. Kia ora koutou, I'm Tintini Kia koe Xavier, ko te kaiwhakahari o tēnei hui hui nā, te pepera pai Petra, anami kia koe mō ko mihi ki a mātou katoa i tēnei whari karakia, he whari atāhua, he whari o tūmanako mō te hākori nā, so tēnā koe. Um, good evening everyone, my name is Greg Fleming, uh, I uh, have lived in Mangakekia for 25 years, uh, my wife Kirsten and I moved here after returning from London, where I've been working in the finance sector. Uh, when I returned, I'm a chartered accountant by training, and uh, when we returned to New Zealand to Wellington, my intention at that stage was to be working uh, in small businesses. Uh, I had always had a passion for those, and I had, uh, had started the first couple of those on a small farm that I grew up uh, in the Wairarapa. Uh, however, uh, it appears that my maker had a very different um, course in mind for me. I decided to give one year to serve a charity uh, here in Auckland. Uh, I went on to become called The Parenting Place and uh, that one year was 25 years ago. Uh, so I have uh, stayed in the community sector ever since. It's a great surprise to me uh, that I have been the, the one uh, running and helping grow the charities and asking people for money as opposed to being the one who I thought I would be, which was the one making the money and giving it to the charities. 
And I've had many chats to God about the idea that maybe I could change those places. Uh, but that has never been. And so uh, about a year and a half ago, I felt a real uh, push towards actually putting my hand up to, uh, to run for Parliament. I've never run for elected office before. Uh, and when my good friend uh, Denise Lee, uh, she and I had met actually at the Christian Students Club at uh, Victoria University many years ago, uh, when she decided that she wasn't going to run, uh, that opened the opportunity for me to be considered as the National Party candidate for Mongakekia. Uh, and the reason why I wanted to go with National was because they are the party of devolution, so the Smarty, they are the party, <laughs> and the Smarty, the Smarty party, of, <laughs> of, uh, of all of those other institutions besides central government that actually really make societies uh, harm. And that's been my experience uh, with community groups, with the schools I've been involved in, and the small businesses. Those are the parts of society, uh, along with, uh, along with um, strong extended whānau, uh, that really help human flourishing in society. And so I wanted to go and champion those. Uh, and if I have the opportunity of uh, serving on Kierkia as your MP, uh, that, will be, uh, that will be my passion. Uh, I, and I will obviously start um, being a part of, of an incoming government, if it's, if it's national government's chosen, by focusing on getting the economy uh, right, because if that's strong, uh, then that provides us the ability to deliver all of the other uh, public services that we all want so much because uh, they can actually drive human flourishing. So that's me, Tēnā Kauta, Tēnā Kauta, Tēnā Kauta Kautua. Um, something that I forgot to mention is that we'll have a timer that will go off um, should the candidates not keep to time, and I expect them to keep the time. <laughs> Made some notes so that I keep to time. Kote mihi tu atahi ki te atua, kote mihi tu alua ki te fare e tu nei, ke mihi mahana ki a koutou katoa. No reira, tina koutou, tina koutou, tina tātou katoa. Good evening, everyone. Can I begin by acknowledging uh, Reverend Petra Zaliski? Um, to you and Xavier, thank you for organising this evening and for hosting us here um, at the church. My name is Priyanka Radhakrishnan. I am the Member of Parliament for Mongakekia and your Labour candidate at this year's election. I am also a Cabinet Minister. I hold uh, a few portfolios that I feel very passionately about and that have an impact on the Mongakekia electorate as well. That includes the community and voluntary sector, uh, diversity, inclusion and ethnic communities, and disability issues as well. I am actually your only candidate who lives locally in the Mongakekia electorate and can actually vote for both the candidate and the party that I'm asking you to vote for at this year's election. I live right here in Onihonga. This is my home, this is my community, and there's so much that I love about this electorate, including just how diverse Mongakekia is. I actually started my career in New Zealand right here on Church Street, working for a refuge organisation, and it's a privilege to represent Mongakekia in Parliament. My focus as the local MP has been on facilitating and strengthening connections. So connecting with local constituents, I've made myself as accessible as possible over the three years through street corner meetings, constituent clinics, cafe connect sessions, good old door knocks, um, attended and uh, uh, hosted local events. Quick plug, we've got the big clean-up tomorrow morning, uh, something that I've organised many times over the year and happens rescheduled from last week as well. Connecting and advocating strongly for local community organisations, businesses, schools um, and residents as well. 
couple of examples that I thought I'd share. You might be familiar with a grassroots initiative called Olihola Embracing Families. They provide hot meals and other support services to those in our communities who are in need. When they needed a new base, they came to me for suggestions. I connected them with Petra. Petra offered them a space right here in this church. They continue to operate out of here, serving about 80 uh, constituents and families every Saturday, and are now connecting with Orange Sky to provide shower services as well. Equally, after the Auckland anniversary floods, when residents needed either to move home or have their homes cleaned up, I have advocated strongly with them, for them, with council and their landlord, and um, worked with them to, towards positive outcomes for all of them. I am an experienced and effective Member of Parliament. I know what the local issues are, and I know how Parliament works in order to be able to effect change. I am also part of a party that has kept our economy in good shape, invested in people and public services. I ask for your two ticks for Labour to return as the local MP as part of a Labour-led government. First of all, I'd like to offer my condolences. There was a death in the parish, right? So my condolences are organized only in spite of that. So thank you for that. Um, so I'm going to read my paper here, sorry, because <laughs> I don't want to muck it up. Kusayabri toko maoka, ko Arabian Sea toko moana, ko Indian toko iwi, ko Maharashtra toko hapu, ifano mai o ititaha o te awa o Mumbai. Kei te noho o kei tamaki makaoro, ko sakmasama toko ingoa. Ko tene takamihi nga tangata whenua o tamaki makaoro. Um, Kamihi o kina tuku o te rohe nei. No rena tina koto, tina koto, tina koto katoa. Thank you for having me here today. Uh, I am a Young Green Party candidate for Mango Keke. Um, we are asking only for the party vote. Um, Party want green because the Greens believe that everybody in Aotearoa should have warm, dry, affordable homes with food on the table. We are strong believers in public transport. Um, we are, of course, you know, uh, believing in climate justice and climate resilience and safer communities. And as you have seen, what is happening in New York right now uh, and what happened three months ago in New York, that climate change manifests itself in different ways. And we're still recovering from rain trauma. Every time there's rain, we all get traumatized, um, wondering what's going to happen. I became a member of the, well, I've been always voted green. Um, but I threw my hat in the ring last year because um, of my activism in the Indian community where um, it's anti Luther. I don't know if you all know what that is, Hindu fascism, right-wing Hinduism, uh, right-wing right um, Hindu fascism. Um, I think it's a global threat. It's deeply embedded here in our society in New Zealand, uh, which affects social cohesion. Uh, that was the reason why we have we actually protested multiple times outside the um, Indian um, conflict, um, just you know, standing in front of the police station. Um, and that, that made me put my hat in the ring because I have um, huge ability to organize in the community and, you know, um, disseminate information. Also, I do stand believe in, in everything that comes up of the Green Party, which is again, you know, warm, affordable homes, food on the table, everybody, um, climate change, um, accessible health. 
Um, and you know, I have lots of things to talk about. So I would like you to uh, party vote green for this election. Thank you. Combined with the cost of living crisis. 
As rent increases and the cost of living crisis puts pressure on farmer, if elected, what will parties do to address their housing needs in Birmingham? Um, firstly, what I'll say is that one of the things that the Labour Party has been focused on is continuing, or well, actually starting, to build houses and build our way out of the housing crisis that we inherited. There's no two ways about that. We've delivered 13,000 more public homes since we took office, uh, compared to the previous national government who left us 1,500 fewer from the nine years that they were in government uh, from when they took office. 700 in Mongekeke alone, with 700 more on the way currently. So it's about building. It's about also ensuring that we address the housing crisis at every point of the spectrum. So we've focused on ensuring that first home buyers can actually buy homes. We've uh, stopped foreign buyers from speculating and pushing up prices, something that of course National has said they will bring back. We've extended the Bright Line test to 10 years, again something that will be repealed or wound back at least by the National Party if they do get into government, launched the Progressive Home Ownership Scheme as well to ensure that people can reach to buy, um, repealed, uh, replaced the Resource Management Act so that we, make, we cut the red tape and we make it easier to build. So rentals, we've made rentals fairer, we've stopped the no-cause evictions which will again be brought back by National Party in government, um, and we've nearly one in three households in New Zealand rent. So ensuring that renting is actually fairer. Warmer houses, so about 100,000 houses have been supported, whether it's in terms of insulation or heating sources, so that our homes are warm, dry and more affordable. Banning unfair letting tenancies, starting to regulate the residential property management sector as well. All of that goes to making renting fairer. Plus ensuring that we have more houses so that people can actually get into the uh, get into home ownership if that's what they choose as well. Ultimately, all of this is what is at stake at this year's election. To address the housing problem, we need to uh, look at multiple approaches and solutions. Um, the rental price is comprised on the availability of the rental space and how much it costs for the landlord to rent out the space. So uh, currently, our landlords are punished for letting out like, you know, the rentals because through the interest deductibility being taken away. So they essentially have no choice but to pass the cost of the rentals back to people who rent. So we propose to return the interest deductibility to landlords so that the prices of rents can go down. We also propose to actually make it um, easier to build the houses uh, through actually cutting the red tape and allowing uh, private insurances for the houses to allow the uh, process of consenting to be easier through those insurance companies <coughs> that will allow new uh, building techniques, materials that are combined with California and other seismic uh, zones to be built in New Zealand. Um, we propose uh, to share the GST revenue uh, from the developments with the local councils because as the, um, you know, we have more uh, intensification and more dense housing, the infrastructure cannot keep up and this is what led to the flooding in Onihanda during the last storm events. 
because council can't keep up to deal with all of the stormwater and wastewater and other systems. We propose to share 50% of the GST revenue with the councils so they're incentivized to actually build the infrastructure required and actually allow more development or more housing. Uh, we also propose uh, to have a choice for the local communities to vote on uh, the way their uh, area is zoned for the development so that actually the local communities have a choice of what their future neighborhood would look like and that will be based on, I think, 80% vote for the local residents. Um, thank you. That is it. Thank you. Thank you, Maga. We'll be moving on next to Greg. Talking hey, um, it's fantastic to be able to go after my note because I did say a big tip beside actually everything that she said and then I can add some more. Uh, so obviously the key thing is uh, is actually the supply and as Margot said is actual cost of providing that supply. Uh, so in addition to the things that Margot's uh, spoken about, uh, I am a uh, huge um, supporter of and some delight that my party is as well. Uh, is of uh, chips, so community housing providers. Uh, so what I'm really keen to do is actually see uh, see those those providers uh, unleashed. And so I'll give you one example. Um, locally, there is a firm called uh, Home Construction. They're a national firm, but the head office is here in Church Street, uh, and uh, they um, the the entire firm runs as a charitable organisation. Uh, so that the owners uh, just get paid a salary like everybody else, uh, and. Uh, they have already built uh, 1,300 homes themselves. I was chatting with the CEO just the other night, and uh, he, he can only imagine how many homes they could build uh, if they were actually unleashed from the current arrangement that they had with Kaina Water and Housing New Zealand, where everything is so prescribed and so controlled to them uh, that, it, unfortunately, government and its desire to want to empower a firm like his is actually constrained all the way. And so our approach is to, uh, is to let uh, those community providers uh, actually do the things that they are best at doing, the things that governments always struggle with doing, uh, which is actually providing uh, those things uh, like houses and, uh, and to build on the, on the range of policies that Margo mentioned. Obviously the final thing that's worth mentioning is in terms of the interest rates. Margo's already mentioned at the moment, uh, but when interest rates triple uh, in the space of 18 months, in the end that has to be passed on as well, which is why again I bring us back to one of the most important things ahead of us is to get our economy sorted. We support renters as opposed to landlords. Um, for the Green Party, as I said before, we want everybody to have warm, safe, affordable housing. What does that mean? It means, first of all, New Zealand has historically built houses. As James showed it this morning, we have built houses in dumb places. So when an extreme weather event happens, that causes huge housing, huge housing instability. So if we are just not having any constraints or removing any kind of restrictions on where and how housing is built, this is exactly what's going to happen. There's going to be landslides and housing, you know, how many red sticker houses in Oakland at the moment? Quite a few, lots actually. So the Green Party wants, like I said, we want to have safe, home, affordable housing. We will have a rental freeze. You cannot increase your rent by more than 3% annually. We will also, we of course, want rental wars. That is one of our policies which we will implement. We want to have a landlord's register. And we will also um, scale up kind of our developments. 
have Maori-led solutions for Maori communities. That is really important. Uh, we will underwrite community housing developments for long-term affordable rental and shared housing. It is crucial to support housing for people with com complex needs that leads to homelessness. We cannot have housing for a specific class of people. Um, also, of course, we want climate-safe communities so that offer different kinds of solutions for different people uh, and bring back nature to protect from extreme weather changes, which cause housing instability. Thank you. Um, so moving on to our second question of the night, which is on sort of welfare. Um, so many of those with experiences of welfare, including students on a student allowance and retirees on super, as well as those on other benefits, um, feel that the system is inadequate and does not enable them to access adequate resources for human well-being. If elected, what will parties do to address this issue? Um, we'll start with Margaret. I'll start with our policies on how to support retirees. Uh, it proposes uh, a number of changes. One of them is to allow private funding for the in-home care so that uh, retired uh, non people can have more options for the care. We propose uh, to ease the access to the elderly people for the commonly prescribed drugs and over-the-counter pseudoephedrine uh, uh, for the cold uh, uh, symptoms and stuff so that elderly people actually have, do not have to go to the GP as often to have the same drug prescribed again and again. They can go directly to the pharmacy and have that delivered. In terms of their welfare, uh, we know that a number of people on welfare, they're struggling with their addictions and they're not to come uh, back to work. Uh, we have over 4,000 people who are on the welfare uh, due to the, you know, the job seeker, due to the drug addiction problems. Uh, what we propose is to establish mental health and addiction uh, you know, agency that would actually uh, work to provide the services and have a condition for the welfare that people need to participate in those rehabilitation programs uh, to be able to, provide, to receive the support because it's uh, not enough just to give people money uh, on a continuous basis because over uh, you know, 2,000 people of those that have been on the system for over 5 years and some of them for over 10 years, like a quarter of them have been on the system for over 10 years and it means that actually they do not have the support to actually get out of, uh, of those addictions and we need to provide those services by making it a requirement to participate and make an effort and uh, to actually um, give the power away from the DHBs to prescribe what sort of the treatment you have and give the power for the person to decide which treatment from the affiliated provider they can go with that they think will help them the most and to actually get that path. So this is what we propose and uh, I guess the time is up. Thank you. Okay, thank you Margo. Um, Just to comment on what Margot said, is that I, I do work in income forms and my job in my job as a GP a lot. And none of those solutions are going to work because I know what my patients are and why they have to be on the benefit. Um, but anyway, the Greens are the people who prioritize people and planet on profits. 
human well-being is really crucial for our world and for Aotearoa. So we have an income guarantee scheme that we have been talking about, which will be implemented. Like that will be done by creating a fair tax system. So we are a wealthy country, and it's a shame that not everybody pays their share of tax. The wealthiest people pay 8.9% compared to the average New Zealander who pays 19.7% tax. And a person on minimum wage pays 10 point, let me get this number right, 10.5% tax. Is that fair? It's not fair. So, we want to have an income guarantee scheme in which at least 95% of these lenders will get $385 a week, not a fortnight, not $4 a fortnight a week, or $8 a fortnight, but $385 a week that they can use to spend on whatever they choose to spend on. You can go and look up the Green Party tax calculator online and you can put in whatever numbers you want to and you will see how much you will get. Um, now, talking about the seniors, we are the only ones that have a comprehensive seniors policy. We will maintain universal superannuation at the age of retirement at 65. Of course, we will ensure homes for seniors to proper kind of housing. There will be funding for aged care. We, and we have the free dental policy, which is going to benefit everybody. We know that good oral health is an important part of our well-being. Um, seniors will get $60 per week increase after tax from our fair tax system. So tax the rich. I believe ultimately that everyone has to be able to live with dignity. That means being able to access a warm, dry, affordable home, and we've talked about that. It means being able to access decent work, secure work that pays decent wages. It means being able to access good quality public health education, and all of those things that ultimately make us a better off society. In terms of a welfare, we are a welfare state. We have a welfare system for those who need that additional support. We've increased minimum wage by about $7 an hour. We've extended the living wage to people like cleaners. Um, and we will continue to do that because these people are the ones that often, I mean, during COVID, were the essential workers who kept our societies going. It ultimately is about ensuring that our health system works in a way that is equitable. That means ensuring a public health system where everyone actually gets the support that they need we're not there yet. That's why we're reforming it, whether it's physical health or access to mental health. It's about ensuring that our economy is strong. I mean, Treasury is not forecasting um, uh, a recession. In fact, they're forecasting average, average annual economic growth of 2.6%, inflation dropping to 3%, another 105,000 jobs being created. I could tell you that we've gotten you know, record numbers of people off benefits and into work, and the latter part of that is important. It's not just kicking people off the welfare system. It's about ensuring that they have meaningful work that pays decent wages as well. And those are all of the things that we're focused on. Uh, this morning I was down um, spending some time with the Orange Sky Group that um, Priyanka spoke about before, and that is an amazing I'd uh, love to see that. If I, if, I, if I do have the opportunity to serve the community as MP, that's, I'll do everything I can to, uh, to help grow uh, and that, what could be possible in this place. 
Um, in the conversation that I was having with the leader there, uh, Alan, he was speaking uh, about one of the other places that they regularly service uh, in the city, and he was saying how uh, this week he had for the sixth time a young architect uh, whose partner is a business manager uh, come to uh, the Associated Food Bank, and they were uh, they were struggling uh, with the shame of being there, uh, given their circumstances. But that is the reality of where they are. Um, we can argue around macroeconomics and this says this and this says this, but we know how hard it is out there. Um, the truth is that in the last six years, things have gotten really, really tough economically. Uh, anyone who's got a mortgage, anyone who's paying rent, anyone who has gone to the supermarket in the last three weeks, you know how tough it is. And the reality of it is that until we get our cost of living under control, until we reduce inflation, until we actually get our economy sorted, we haven't got a hope of providing for our most needy in the way that we all want to. So we have to get the economy sorted. We're not getting the economy sorted for the purpose of making the rich richer, we're getting the economy sorted for ensuring that all New Zealanders can prosper. Thank you. Um, so for our uh, third question, um, uh, the theme is around mental ill health and addiction. Um, and so at present, uh, the question is, at present there are a few community, there are a few community providers in Monikonga for mental ill health and addiction. If elected to um, represent the people of Monikonga, what are your solutions to our growing, growing waiting list for those experiencing acute mental health and addiction? Um, 
Yeah, so we need to increase the workforce, but also social determinants of mental health are just really important, and nobody actually talks about that. So I'd like you to think about social determinants of mental health. Alright, so this is the one area I think of government that under a national-led uh, national government would actually expand. Uh, our intention is to set up New Zealand's first uh, dedicated ministry for mental health. Uh, why? Because it is uh, in crisis stage in New Zealand and has been built now for several years. Uh, so uh, very, if, if, if national is chosen to, to govern New Zealand, uh, that very likely that health minister will be Matt Ducey. Uh, he himself comes from a strong mental health background. Uh, and uh, he and his team will be fully resourced to uh, take this uh, take the issue head on. Uh, one of the first things that we're going to do uh, is to uh, turbocharge uh, the 50-50 matching grants, all of those mental health services, the innovative ones that are out at the coalface, the likes of Gumboot Friday, uh, who, who are having a um, tremendous measurable impact in terms of the number of counselling sessions that they are delivering uh, to young people, uh, and our observation uh, is that, that that kind of approach uh, can be um, can be uh, scaled uh, right across the sector. Uh, mental health is an issue uh, that I care deeply about. Just really, um, my wife uh, had a had a real uh, mental health challenge about five six years ago. She's very happy for me to share that publicly. Um, she ended up retraining midlife as a counsellor and uh, is now a, um, a, a counsellor of teenagers at Wanahana High School. Uh, it is something that I care deeply about. Um, I would echo Grace's uh, suggestion of creating the separate mental health and addictions uh, agency. And as an eighth party, we propose uh, for the agency uh, to be uh, essentially the not. Um, not the provider that actually chooses who to provide services, who provides mental health services to the customers, but try to facilitate the access to the people who need it. So instead of keeping people on the wait list for months, we'll actually just allow people to access the affiliated providers like Gumboots Fridays and to get the counseling sessions within days like they can do because the resources are out there but currently the government is uh, not managing it well and just favours the uh, DHPs in a way that actually not helping the patients. So we are proposing to the scheme uh, that would allow uh, people to choose their providers that actually help them. We also propose to create a set of measurable criteria that the uh, ministers responsible for those agencies need to adhere to and their performance and their uh, pay needs to be tightened. Uh, I was very disappointed when I found out that the report on the mental health uh, you know, uh, state of New Zealand was one year late and when it was produced, it removed the key statistics such as suicide rates and wait times. Uh, we think it's uh, unacceptable and we think that people who are in charge of their mental health and addiction services, their pay and uh, you know, their work should be, you know, their funds should be tied to those measurable criteria. Um, third uh, area we are aiming for is to provide a number of uh, professionals who are able to assist people uh, with the mental health and addiction problems by uh, easing the immigration and licensing process uh, for the professionals who come from overseas, who have practiced, and whose uh, you know, educational qualifications we recognize. So, yeah. Thank you.
one of us in this room will know somebody who has struggled with mental illness and mental distress. It is a massive issue for us uh, in New Zealand. When we took office in 2017, what we inherited was a system where the Mental Health Commission had been disestablished and you needed to be at a very acute end of needing mental health support before you could actually get the support you needed. What we wanted to do and what we've been focused on is building a primary mental health care system from scratch. That means when you go to your GP, when you access primary care, primary health care, you can actually get mental health support, the mental health support that you need as well. Granted, the Access and Choice program rollout was slower over COVID, but we have now crossed 1 million services. That means people accessing uh, mental health support at their GP care. In this electorate alone, I understand we have about six providers that provide that now, that never used to before the Labour government rolled out the Access and Choice program. So it's about getting together you need earlier. It's about supporting um, access to mental support at schools. Manaake was started after the Christchurch earthquakes. Proved effective, we're rolling that out. Picky, specific frontline mental health supports for young people. Proving effective in Wellington, we will roll that out. Separating police call-outs. Police attended about 70,000 mental distress call-outs last year alone. What we've now started rolling out, we've trialled it in six police um, areas, districts. It proved um, uh, helpful. So now when someone in mental distress calls 111, you get a multi-agency response rather than just police going out and then taking a person to a mental health uh, support or a hospital for the mental health support that they need. So ultimately, it is about addressing the social determinants of health, ensuring that we provide cost of living support, provide the supports that people need to lead a dignified life, and addressing mental health specifically. And um, so for our last question of the evening before we move into um, to an open round, um, it's about transport. And so transport is the question is the transport is a major issue for residents in Oyama. If elected, how will you address public transport accessibility in Oyama? Um, we'll start with Sure. Yeah, so there's four parts to transport um, in Oyama, as there are in many communities. There's obviously in uh, terms of the state of our roads, uh, so we can get actually uh, get around because really it is no matter how great a public transport system we have, people are still going to want to drive uh, cars uh, to, to some places and so we need to make sure uh, the quality of those. Uh, the second part is in terms of uh, what's happening with our existing services in terms of trains. Uh, the third one is in terms of uh, bus services and then the fourth one is in terms of the, 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 the more major infrastructure projects that are going on with that. So very quickly, fourth back to one. Uh, in terms of the fourth one, the, um, the, the east-west link uh, uh, will, will have many benefits uh, for, for industry. Uh, one of the biggest benefits it's going to have for our local community is actually taking uh, so, many, um, car, so, many, so much traffic volume off our local roads. Uh, in terms of rail, uh, one, once the city rail, rail link is complete, uh, which yes, it's been delayed, um, but I think everyone agrees that it should be, it should be here within, within about three years, that is literally going to double uh, the number of trains uh, that are servicing this community and every other community on the existing link. Uh, in terms of the bus network, 
uh, national, that part of National's comprehensive transport plan is to uh, turbocharge uh, the, the bus services uh, right throughout uh, Greater Auckland uh, and back on the roads. Um, that is obviously something that is, is largely the domain of Auckland Transport, but if I am elected your local MP, I will work with them very closely uh, to ensure that we, um, that we uh, get a much better bus service uh, for this local community. essentially need across Auckland and obviously in Mongekeke as well is a public transport network that allows people to get across the city and around the city in a way that's efficient, effective and affordable. And that's what we're building towards. So things like um, CRL, which by the way is, uh, need to be finished by next year, the end of next year. Um, it's like some of us forget there was a global pandemic that we were part of as well. Um, but that will shave off something like 17 minutes of co uh, commute time for those in Ellerslie getting into the city, and it will get people around in a way that's more effective. Light rail, there was um, a significant engagement from Onihunga in support of light rail and the particular route that uh, the light rail team has landed on as well. Building more motorways and ones like East West Link, which at the time we costed it was the most expensive road in the world, and would have become much more expensive over the last few years as well, is not going to ease congestion. It's about ensuring that we maintain the roads that we have and we improve them, because yes, I do agree that there will be people who do need to re uh, use roads. So it's not about public transport versus roads. It's about having an effective network that allows people to get around on the train, on the bus, so that you don't have to plan your journey. You can just turn up and you know there will be a bus or a train that will take you where you need to go. It's about maintaining our roads, we inherited roads that were maintained, which meant in the severe weather events of this year, um, there were many of them were actually unusable. So it's maintaining the ones that we have. It's about ensuring that we have walking and cycling routes that are safe for people who want to get around that way. I've actually been working with local parents um, here in the electric, mapped out the walking and cycling routes that we have, and they're abysmal. We need to invest in those so that people can get around safely as well. It's about ensuring that we also reduce our carbon emissions through our public transport and other transport options as well. And we've increased the number of EVs significantly, 60% or something. Weather, but it's also a community which is 
potentially a 15 minute city with, with really good uh, walking, cycling um, routes uh, where you, you can you know, go to school, go to work, uh, either by bus, walking, or take public transport to be connected anywhere else. Um, just as easily, or be able to take the car and go into the bush if you wish. Um, you know, the Greens want a light rail network over the ground, not under the ground. Um, so we can use that same money to build a light rail network in Wellington and Christchurch as well, and save money. Um, you've got to ask James Shaw the numbers because he's better at that than I can tell you what the numbers are, but obviously it's all costed. Um, I know, I mean, if I can use the word only Hungarians uh, for you all living here locally, um, that the, you know, the Amdale South Down, uh, South Down railing is a bit of a controversy. Um, I think that's a really important group, though. Um, yeah, and my time's up. One is uh, there's such a thing as an uh, open transport alignment project, uh, which uh, talks about uh, you know um, the partnership between the local council and the uh, central government and uh, the development of the public transport and just transport infrastructure uh, that is tied with the um, uh, with the expected uh, growth of the population and the density uh, around the area and actually do good on uh, those plans and uh, it proposes to develop those 30-year strategy plans that would uh, fix and uh, secure the funding uh, with the local uh, council and the central government to fund those projects necessary for the local communities to actually deliver the uh, public transport system or just transport uh, solutions that would work for the community. Uh, why I do not just suggest the public transport is because uh, every single solution needs to be tailored to specific area, community and purpose. So that we propose that any project that needs to go off the ground, it actually needs to have a cost-benefit analysis to see if that specific proposition is actually going to add to the reality community. Uh, things like light rail uh, do not actually bring that much benefit to the communities and they cost exorbitant amount of money that we actually cannot afford. So we actually propose that the solutions that need to be fit for purpose, practical, implementable, you know, are constrained and all the smart things about the goals that we should have. Um, the third thing that I had in mind was um, the congestion charges. So Act proposes uh, instead of having the uh, user road charges that is just a bulk sum of money that uh, is, not, uh, is put on everyone and just harms the poorest people the most. We have the congestion charges instead that will actually charge people to use the car during the peak times and not charge it when you drive off peak times. And this way, we have level out the congestion. Cheers, thank you. And thank you all. So um, that's the end of our prepared questions. Um, so essentially what we have now is we'll hear from um, uh, Eric Troyes from um, Rock for Boat um, for two minutes and then we'll be moving to an open round um, with you all for about 20 or so, uh, 20 or so minutes. Uh, I thought you said three minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thank you so much and I just want to thank uh, Mika uh, Petra. I used to work in the South American Missionary Society 
for three months, and I was in Mulongo doing my studies in Ultra Mini good memories, and also the Brisbane analysis, helping the refugees adjust to Australia after the war in Nicaragua. But anyway, I just want to say Tinakuro, uh, thanks to everybody here. Hello, right? Okay. Yeah, uh, basically, Rock the World New Zealand Party is basically a centrist grassroots party focused on democracy. Yeah, we want to enshrine the Bill of Rights Act because that's the basis of our freedom. And so, basically, also, we want to be strong in law and order when we want to really clamp down on crime. Uh, we don't agree with 2.75 million New Zealand dollars taxpayer money given to the gang that traffics and produces meth to take care of meth addicts. It's like letting a wolf take care of the lambs. You buy two tiny houses and produce meth. Okay, and I don't think there was a difference. But anyway, the thing is, of course, we don't want to have also so many migrants coming in, which is nothing wrong in itself, which then boosts the economy for a short while and create long-term social service problems, infrastructure problems, because we don't have the integrated infrastructure to maintain them. So we've got to have planning, like Singapore has 30 years planning, Germany, let's compare apples, these are all the democratic countries. But we don't have to have ad hoc policies that create long-term problems. Okay, so society, we also need to adjust, we need to integrate, so we want that balance. So lastly and most importantly, uh, we have the Man Up program, because Rock the World New Zealand Party is part of Freedoms. And so the Man Up program has successfully uh, integrated 635 gang members real gang patch members from prison into normal life where the children have come back to them and social services have said yes, they're okay, you can take care of the children. And now it's being implemented in seven countries including Fiji and Israel. So vote for us because we are a centrist party and he's going to get in, she's going to get in, she's number 15 and he's actually going to get in too because he's 16 at least. And so vote for me, electorate vote. I'll be down here helping you guys. <laughs>
there wasn't that available. So we've taken steps, there is some progress there, but we're nowhere near the, the place that we need to be. And part of that is also a work, the, the fact that we need a workforce plan. So we've been increasing the number of psychiatrists and psychologists who've been training to, to ensure that we have the workforce to be able to roll this out. We didn't. So we also, through our trades training uh, program, expanded the definition of trades to include mental health counsellors and work, those who work in that space as well. We've got to continue to build that. So we're nowhere near perfection, but what I'm trying to, to I guess, outline is the steps that we've taken to progress down that pathway to making things better. There's still a long way to go. We've got to keep doing it. But sort of rolling that back is not going to help us to get to a point where people get the care they need it. They need when and where they need it as well. Um, so if we could try and direct it towards one politician. But um, we have a question from our friend in the front row about um, what are your disability policy futures? So um, perhaps 30 seconds from each of you going down the line about your um, disability I am, at the top of my head, not entirely sure what our particular disabilities policies are, so that's something I need to research and come back to We've established FICAHA, the Ministry of Disabled People. Uh, it's just over a year old. Part of their role is to influence policies across government to ensure that we continue to make progress for disabled people. We've put in place um, an accessibility policy with Kainal Order, where a 15% target for new bills to be in accordance with universal design was first put in place. We've exceeded that to 19%, and our new policy is now uh, a target of 25% of new bills. We're rolling out Enabling Good Lives, which is a new approach to accessing disability support services, which actually puts choice and control back into the hands of disabled people. So they no longer have to settle for whatever services they can access, but they are asked one simple question, what does a good life look like for you? And then there are individuals called connectors who work with them to um, support them to access the services that they need. We've piloted that in three sites. We're rolling that out across uh, nationwide, and we've invested in that first four years of rollout. And a lot more. seconds. Yes, we, um, thank you for that question, Warren. Um, the Greens do have a policy for um, disability. Um, first of all is to, I'm sorry, I, ha I do have to read this out. Um, introduce a minimum income guarantee uh, for all people. Um, with, with disability issues, improve access to disability-related supports. Um, particularly when we're building housing, we need to have fully accessible housing. Television, we need to be, um, you know, acceptable format, including captioning, audio description, etc. Whatever, everything is done will have to be co-designed with people of lived experience, um, rather than just coming from the top. But yes, there is a comprehensive um, policy. I'm not aware about the specifics of the AIDS disability policy, but I am aware that um, it proposes that whatever treatment is required uh, that is not provided by the public health system within a certain time frame, uh, we propose to introduce public-private partnerships so that uh, people can actually go into the uh, private healthcare system and have the treatment to be funded by the government through the public-private partnerships so that people who uh, have suffered some trauma or injury that are not being treated within you know, a reasonable time frame that they actually can access the 
Besides the disability policy, um, this is a question for any one of you. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> Cut the side, sorry. <laughs> um, besides the disability policy, uh, what else do you intend to do in regards to issues regarding disabilities such as um, unemployment, um, unofficially unrecognised um, diagnosis, diagnoses, etc? Yeah, I, I absolutely, that, that's a very important question because what we, we're talking about is, and that, that is related to our health system, but not just health system, but everything else around it as well, you know, the social determinants that we keep talking about, but within the health system, for example, we do not have people who diagnose um, adult ADHD anywhere in New Zealand at this point, and people have to go privately to get a diagnosis, uh, which is a huge issue. Um, so we have part of that is, is you know, diagnosis of various different things that we can then, and I do a lot of work and income forms based on people's um, concerns regarding this. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, we have to we have to work around that. That's why everything needs to be co-designed, particularly around disability issues. Thank you. Um, so in terms of what we're doing uh, specifically around employment, a few different things. So we've announced this year that we will scrap the minimum wage exemption, which is a policy that some people have used to exempt some disabled people from even getting the minimum wage. So we'll put in place a supplement so that we don't reduce the quantum of jobs that are available to disabled people, but it means that everyone at least gets the minimum wage. We've also put in place specific products in MSD to support people with different types of disabilities to get into the workforce. And the latest labour force uh, survey shows that wages are actually increasing um, at a rate higher for disabled people than non-disabled people at the moment. Um, the final thing around criteria, so there is set criteria to be able to access disability support services. That hasn't changed since the mid-90s. I, as the Minister for Disability Issues, um, have asked, had asked Whakaha to start work on that, starting with neurodevelopmental disorders, particularly fetal alcohol syndrome, and look at how we expand the criteria so that people who need disability support services can actually access them. Hey, uh, there are, and this, this goes back to your question uh, earlier on in terms of the availability of mental health services, uh, there are, and, and, and I'm sure you're alluding to that, there are actually excellent ways of, of engaging um, with, with, um, with the kind of diagnosis, diagnoses and treatments. Uh, they simply uh, are not the resources available at the front line. And one example of that locally is Rainbow House up in Green Lane. Uh, I've met with them a couple of times now, including taking Matt Ducey, who I mentioned before, will be the Minister for Mental Health if National becomes the next government. Uh, and uh, they're explaining that there is a 12-month waiting list at the moment, and they laid out, laid out a very simple plan as to how that could be turned around and dropped down to a two-week uh, with simple um, reallocation of a bunch of the resources that's available in there at the moment. And that's what we're going to do with our Ministry of Mental Health. Um, the, the questions on climate change and the money spent to reduce emissions and from the Greens manifesto for example uh, they want to spend more money on policies to limit warming to less than 1.5 degrees C 
and also to price farm emissions. And the Labor policy is to spend more on pricing farm emissions, helping industries face out coal boilers and electrification of public transport. In short, both parties want to keep on spending. Yet, um, in the four budget papers from 2020 to 2023, um, the current government spent $7.294 billion on climate. And just to put that into perspective, that is at least four more new Dunedin hospitals. So the question becomes, what will be the results from this huge amount of money spent on climate, and what are the measurable benefits for the planet and the country? And in answering that, could you also please define climate pollution? What we've done is to pass the landmark Zero Carbon Act. We've worked with other parties uh, in, in, in Parliament to be able to do that, target of net zero carbon emissions by 2050. And as you've mentioned, we've invested in terms of the public transport network, um, EVs, clean car discounts, and the various policies that we've put in place that have seen a 70% increase in the number of EVs. Uh, invested in rail and transport more broadly, working with farmers, as you said, to price emissions there. I mean, it's undoubtedly transport and agriculture there um, uh, as two sectors that contribute significantly to carbon emissions in New Zealand. And so we've got to do some work there to reduce emissions there. That's what we're doing. In terms of proof points, carbon emissions is reduced for every year for the past three years as a result of the work that we've done in that space. What we've got to keep doing if we're going to preserve the planet for the next generations. Um, thanks all for speaking tonight. It's been really interesting. Um, I have a question for Greg. Um, could you clarify the National Party position on co-governance? Um, your National Member of Parliament and former um, Minister of Treaty Negotiations, Chris Finlayson. Um, wrote an article for Hitangata magazine just last year, um, quote, co-governance should be embraced, not feared. So I just wondered if you could clarify the current position. Uh, so we support co-governance in the context of what Chris Finnison uh, was meaning it, uh, which is around the co-stewardship of natural resources. Uh, so for example, Chris was the, uh, was the one who, uh, who um, for example, brought about the, uh, the co-stewardship of the Waikato River of the, uh, of the uh, Whanganui River, uh, helped run around the Maunga Authority of the mountains um, that, that, we, that we all live under. Uh, what we are not in favour of is co-governance of uh, systems that deliver, uh, that deliver critical services such as health, uh, education and justice. Does that answer your question? Thank you for it. Um, this is for Brenda. Um, 
I know Chris Hipkins has ruled it out, um, but in light of the fact that multiple recent polls show that more than 50% of New Zealanders support some form of wealth tax, why is the Labour Party not supporting one? And would you advocate for one as an MP? Um, so, yes, you're right. Um, Chris Hopkins has ruled out both capital gains tax and a wealth tax of any form. My understanding um, around the wealth tax is the evidence doesn't support it actually being distributed in a way that's fair. So that's why that was rolled out. But more broadly, it was about, I guess, um, uh, the, the, the political climate at the time and the support that we felt we had to be able to rule that out, to, to bring that in, in this particular point in time. Instead of that, what we wanted to do, I mean, what we won't do, of course, is tax cuts for millionaires. We've ruled that out as well. Um, what we want to do, we've always said that the global drivers or the drivers of inflation in New Zealand are global drivers and not within our hands to address. What we will do is to mitigate the impact of that on New Zealanders, and that's what we're doing through the cost of living package that we've put together. Whether that's half price, free public transport for those under 25, the $5 prescription charge, the scrapping of that is one that I get a huge amount of positive feedback from locally, from pharmacies here as well. So all of that, um, you know, the GSD or fruit and veg, all of that taken as a package, boost to working for families, is what we're trying to do to ensure that we actually put a bit more money in, in, in the pockets of families in our communities. But a wealth tax and a capital gains tax, I mean, to your question around the wealth tax, I'd have to personally do a bit more, bit more analysis of why um, there is evidence to show that it's not the best way to go. I'd have to look into that a bit more broadly. But when the time is right, potentially, but that's not now, and that's why we've ruled it out. I was um, horrified kind of recently to discover that New Zealand has the, high, the, the, the most liberal um, policy in terms of abortion and that a woman can abort her baby at full, full term. Full term. Can you please um, tell us, you know, why is this not... True, because we're hearing something different. 24 weeks is at the even then you have to actually, nobody you, is going to abort a, a, a child at full term. 12 weeks and 24 weeks, that is the legislation. It ends in 24 weeks unless there is an emergency, medical emergency. So it is untrue and I really, really would like, a, we can send you this stuff if you want, uh, but that is absolutely untrue. Thank you. Um, my question is for Greg. Um, you indicated uh, an interest in ensuring that uh, people had a decent standard of living. I'm curious as to why then um, National and Elected would uh, scrap something that is actually going to lift the wages, wages and conditions of many, many workers and that is fair pay agreements. Can you explain why you want to get rid of that? Yeah, appreciate the question. It's fundamentally because we don't believe that it will deliver those things. So we're committed to those things, we just don't believe that that is the system to do it. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much the reason. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Essentially, we, what we really, what we really see there, what we really see that what is called the fair trade is essentially forced unionisation, which obviously we're not going to be in favour of. Yeah. Um, the, the setting of, of minimum standards um, through collective bargaining has certainly been quite an interesting uh, point of the trade union movement. But we'll move on to the next uh, question. You can look at the writer's guild and all of that perspectives done through unionization that shows that bargaining. But my question, my question is um, for Priyanka, because you've mentioned that the wealth tax wouldn't work, and there's research that shows that it wouldn't work. But there's also been a lot of um, professionals come out against the uh, taking the GST off of vegetables, taking it off, that, and showing that it wouldn't work. But labor has gone ahead and move forward with those proposals. How is it that the wealth tax is different than something like taking off the GST off of fruits and veggies when it's shown that it has as well? Yeah, and that's why I um, was it sort of took the care to say that the, the cost of living measures that we're wanting to put in place, some of which we've already done and some of which we've committed to doing, needs to be seen as a package. So each individual policy may not turn things around completely for families and communities, totally take your point on that. But together, it makes a difference for, um, for, for families, for, for people. But also taken together with things like fair pay agreements that will... So what we ultimately want to do is to mitigate the impact of global inflation on cost of living increases as best as we can. But also to lift wage floor, because that's the other thing that we need to do. So things like fair pay agreements. We are one of very few countries in the OECD that doesn't have fair pay agreements. People talk about New Zealanders leaving to Australia. They've had it for way longer than we've legislated for. We're starting to lift the wage floor. It's also amendments to the Equal Pay Act to ensure that people can take pay agree claims easier, something that national and government uh, you know, moved backwards and made it harder for people to take pay agree claims. So we've progressed that. The minimum wage increases, the benefit increases, all of that go towards lifting the wage floor. As part of a package, as part of a package, it will. So it will make fruit and vegetable, fresh or frozen, cheaper. Part of what we've done is to give the Commerce Commission powers to ensure that the grocery commissioner that's put in place is actually able to ensure that supermarkets pass that on to individuals. So we've so on its own, perhaps not, but we've put in mitigations to be able to pass that on to the consumer as well. I ask, um, I know we have a speaking order, but can I ask, does anyone have any questions for Margo specifically? Um, um, I recently heard your leader, David Seymour, on TV talking about um, drug addicts being facing um, losing their benefit if they refuse treatment or don't make efforts to find work. But I just wondered if you acknowledge that sometimes um, you know, drug addiction can be a chronic relapsing condition that people have throughout their whole lives. So just wondered if you think that policy could have ne negative outcomes like more drug addicts on the street, for example. Well, I guess the main question is whether the pe such people are actually making an effort. Uh, the difference will be, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of a question 
does this person, yes, they have a struggling with a uh, you know, drug addiction, but do they actually try to solve that issue? Do they actually try to attend the services? Do they try to actually, you know, follow up with those uh, programs based on the choice of the program with the affiliated provider? So we actually we need for a person to, uh, you know, help support it. They actually need to show that they want to get better because, you know, the we do act party is a part of a personal responsibility and personal choice, and uh, we believe that you need to have some sort of a um, the word. Um, sorry, my English, my English is not that perfect, but essentially, essentially what we believe is that you need at least to strive to help yourself to be helped. Well, 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 basically I just need to ask this question for everybody. I think it's a democratic way, is that um, 53,000 mortgages are going to having to pay extra 2000 a month into the disposable income, taking away that disposable income. And uh, that's about 200,000 people. So we are talking about what is happening right now in September. So then mortgages will go up extra 2000 This is reported in the New Zealand Herald and stuff. And another 60,000, which is mortgages times three, will be about 180,000 people. So how did it happen uh, in Labour's watch, um, and what would be the solution? Because um, you wrote the word New Party, we're going to create a social housing policy to make sure that people can afford to buy houses around four hundred thousand dollars, like in like in Australia, uh, and allow them to just put fifty thousand to buy. I, I, but this is, this is but so okay, this is for everybody to answer. For everyone to I'm, answer. Sorry, I'm going to have to ask you. No, I, I will move on to this gentleman Sorry, this is for 30 seconds or less for Labour and the Greens. No one sitting up there wants Winston back at the cabinet table. Would Labour or Greens be willing to work with National if it meant securing National Government, obviously, but keeping Winston out of cabinet? <laughs> <laughs> 30 seconds or Look, we've been very clear that we are much more aligned with the Greens and Party Māori if required in terms of what we want, the kind of society and economy we want to progress. It is very different from what National wants to do. We've ruled out Winston. This is their cross to bear. <laughs> survival of squid games, you know, squid games methodology, as Jacinda Ardern called it, but neither would the National Party. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all, especially for that um, great question at the end. <laughs> so we're going to uh, move into our closing so we can end on time. Um, but so the way that we're going to run this is um, essentially uh, each candidate will have a minute um, to sort of talk about sort of just end, end it all, we'll do a summary and then we'll end up our closing benediction. Um, so I'll start again with the incumbent. Uh, actually, no, we'll end, we'll end with you two. Excellent. Stop, Mark. 
Uh, this election, the country really needs the real change because the issues that are facing are real and present. The act proposes uh, to bring the economy back to a good state by cutting the wasteful spending and focusing on the core services to provide the good services that are required. We propose to be real on crime and actually hold the uh, criminals to our responsibility and you know offer the uh, penalties that would actually deter uh, you know criminals from reoffending uh, by returning three strikes and uh, you know. Uh, proposing the program such as getting the driving license or minimal literacy requirements to get out of uh, prison earlier. Uh, we propose uh, things uh, like uh, you know, cutting the red tape to make the houses build better and uh, to allow more uh, you know, services provided easier, such as uh, uh, cutting the regulation on the early childhood uh, centers, educational centers, so that it's easier to enroll your children in such uh, places. Uh, and uh, yeah, please fight about to act for the real change. That's all I'm going to say. The time is now. You know, time is now. Honeywood Green. We want everybody to have warm, affordable homes with food on the table. We want to tax the rich because that's going to fund so many of our other things that we want to do. Mental health. Yes, we can build an addiction center. You don't need that if we tax it, because we don't have the money for that, eh? In Royal Oak, yeah, but sometimes, I mean, I'm just answering the lady's question, um, and I'll talk to you later, but yes, uh, there's a lot of things that we need to do, and this is a really, really difficult time. We can either progress ahead and transform ourselves, or we can really go back, and, and you know, in, in Eastern philosophy, you can never go back, because time always marches forward, so the time is now, would Paddy won't green. Tinakwe Noor Xavier for your um, uh, chairing of this tonight and uh, thank you all very much for your attention as well. Uh, if you think New Zealand is doing well, uh, if you like the outcomes that are happening, if you think that life is affordable and you think that we're heading in the right direction, then you know which way to vote. If you don't think of any of those things and you want to vote for change, uh, then tick blue. Uh, and when it comes to your local um, electric vote, I would love to have the chance to be your Member of Parliament. I would love it even more now uh, than I thought I might like it when I first got selected as the candidate six months ago. Because over these last six months, I've met literally thousands of Monga Kiakins. I'm not sure I think it was practice term. I love that term. Uh, and I have uh, I have come to know more and more uh, the issues that are real, at the real heart of this community. I'd love to have an opportunity to work more closely, for example, with our local constabulary in terms of increasing the police presence in the community and addressing the drivers of youth crime. I'd love to work with Petra and others in terms of seeing a community centre like an Onihana mission, like the Auckland City mission, developed here. And I'd love to see a new uh, um, assembly hall at Ellerslie Primary School and so on and so on. Thank you so much again. Um, firstly, thank you for coming along and showing an interest. Um, as I said at the start, I'm running a two-tick campaign to return as the MP for Maunga Kiakia as part of a Labour-led government. Ultimately, this election is about the type of society and the type of communities you want. If it's one where we continue to deliver and build houses for everyone who needs it, if it's about ensuring that health, education and the other services that all of us will have to use at some point are invested in, including the infrastructure that we need, like public transport, if it's about creating safe societies where everyone feels valued, respected, 
where we value diversity as a strength, we become more inclusive, then I ask for your two ticks. Once again, it's not between labour and perfection, it's about the pathway that we're on to ensure that we build the society and the communities that we can all be proud of. Kia ora. Yeah, amazing. Um, thank you all for, for coming out and um, listening. Um, you know, we had, so we had our four questions for, for on housing, welfare, mental ill health and addiction, and then the last question was on transport. We heard from all of you um, about sort of your concerns, your issues, um, your questions on things like mental, uh, mental health and disability policy, um, climate change, wealth tax, Winston Peters. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the joy of Winston Peters, he does always sneak in. <laughs> but, um, no, no, but uh, this really wouldn't be possible um, without you um, uh, as participants today. So I just want you to thank you all for coming. I, um, I think, you know, the fact that everyone's here tonight really is a testament to community and the fact that we care about, um, about living in Maungi Care Care, um, you know, we care about our friends, our whanau, our community, um, the people around us, and um, we want to see change for, for better, change for good, and I think we can all agree that um, you know, across, the, across the aisle that um, we all just want to see the best Maungi Care Care possible. Um, <clears throat> and so, yes. Um, so I suppose to just wrap up really, um, the most important thing I can say to all of you is to vote. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard a million times, but get out there and vote, get your whanau to vote, get your friends to vote, get everyone you know to vote. Uh, voting is so, so, so important. As a young person, you know, I'm 21, I know that young people don't vote enough, we need to get out there and vote. It's so, 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 so important. It starts on Monday. So it starts on Monday. Um, and ends on October the 14th. So make sure you get out and vote. There are plenty of opportunities. Please, please, please get out and vote. October 14th. If you like what you've heard tonight, um, or not, it may sure it influence your decisions, and then um, stay and chat with the candidates. And um, no, thank you so much. And thank you all for spending your time with me. you're going to tick, but I give you a very big tick for being a beautifully, wonderfully behaved group of people. Yay! So thank you for all being here, and um, I want to say a very big thank you to Xavier. I also want to say thank you to the team who brought food for us this evening. who are people from the community who put their hand up to give us a hand um, and um, thank you to Josh who sorted out our sound um, and um, a, a heads up for Onohanger FM, Josh. If you, uh, if you haven't heard of Onohanger FM, it's a little side project that I've started that is a hyper-local podcasting network dedicated to Onehunga and surrounding neighborhoods. And we currently have two podcasts. Woo! Uh, the first is, um, is a local body politics podcast, which all of these wonderful faces up front have already been on, so you can go have a listen to their, uh, their episodes. 
and uh, and this uh, recording of tonight will be available on there soon. Another one is uh, a podcast about Auckland Light Rail and an investigation into what that will look like and the impact on Onihonga. So, well, I would really encourage you to grab one of these or just head to onihonga.fm. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Too Much Talk. We are making these podcasts to help people be as informed as they can be ahead of the election. The success of this podcast relies on people like you helping us reach a wider audience. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please spread the word about us with your friends and neighbours or give us a review in your favourite podcast app. Connect with me on social media if you'd like to get in touch or share your thoughts. I'm Tim underscore McCready on Twitter, Instagram, threads. And finally, a massive thanks to my producer Josh Couch, the creative genius behind Onihanga FM and the person who made this podcast a reality. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to make your vote count on October 14th.